It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game, episode number 20. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Vanek NFL. And I am once again joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, man, it was uh, Thanksgiving yesterday. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, you and all of our listeners as well. And we had three games yesterday. What did you think of the uh, games, and how was your Thanksgiving with your family? It was good. Happy Thanksgiving to you, everyone at DD. Uh, said it in the chat, but shout out to everybody that listens as well, whether you're part of the DD family or in the Patreon or whatnot. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, actually, it was a pretty good Thanksgiving slate. All three games were not uh, disappointing in terms of fantasy points. Uh, not every player smashed, but I think for the most part, it was okay for fantasy. You didn't have any of those... Uh, fantasy players, unless you started, you know, Damian Harris or you started a couple other random players, you ended up disappointed, right? Like if you started DeAndre Swift, he could have had more points. Gabe Davis could have had more points. Like there were some guys that dudded, but for the most part, they were three fairly exciting games with fantasy points. I mean, all three of them went over totals of, you know, 48 was the lowest total game so that's good there wasn't any you know 17 to 10 or 13 to 10 games where it was just an absolute you know dog shit game to watch Uh, so they were all good Uh, the last game was exciting Uh, we probably wish we would have played some different players in that game like Hunter Henry didn't start him anywhere Uh, of course he probably could have had 30 points but he still ended up with a pretty good game he'll probably be a top four or five tight end on the week Uh, but yeah it was good got to pretty much just chill hang out with the family and then come back and, and watch a decent amount of all three games uh, when they were on periodically. So it was good and excited for uh, this upcoming slate. The only week uh, since week five where we haven't had any buys. So it's nice that they throw that in there and we get every single team playing this week. And I do think uh, one thing we can talk about a little bit, I do think this is one of the weeks where I have not seen that combined with the fact that it's Thanksgiving, people are busy, uh, whatnot. I haven't seen a lot of uh, auto accept spot start deals because there's a lot of options, right? There's no bye weeks. There's not four teams out, six teams out. So it's unfortunate if you had a couple of these players that are going to get spot starts because team not a lot of teams need them this week. There's a couple spot start quarterbacks and a couple spot start running backs that I haven't seen really traded at all. So 
something to talk about. I think that'll change over the next couple of weeks. At the same time, there's also trade deadlines happening too. We can talk a little bit about that as well. But if you don't have a trade deadline, yeah, I think the market will pick up here in the next couple of weeks. But if you do and the trade deadline is like this week or next week, uh, kind of rough having this week in there because there's just not been a lot of transactions. Yeah, for sure. I haven't seen any trades like you talked about at all, like the uh, Samaje P. Ryan I've seen you throw out there a few times. Mike White, uh, the quarterback for the Jets this week. I haven't seen uh, him move too much at all, if any, so far in any of my leagues. So, yeah, you're right, pretty much. You know, nobody out there. There's a couple guys you could have picked up. Sounds like Bryce Perkins might end up starting. I thought it might be Wolford, but Perkins has taken all the snaps this week, so I'm guessing it's going to be Perkins. Uh, so if you picked him up there, he could probably get you a spot start, but I I don't really want to play him regardless. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good um, slates like you talked about. Couple of disappointing game or guys like Dawson Knox kind of screwed us in our uh, in our main event league. That kind of sucked, and of course Hunter Henry was on our bench and scored like nineteen and one point five PPR, so that sucked. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think I thought the games were pretty good. Like you talked about, you know, no duds. Thank goodness, uh, everybody did fairly solid there was a couple like you said a couple guys that kind of disappointed but yeah it was, overall it was a pretty good uh thanksgiving and food was good as usual and all that so hopefully everybody else had the same kind of experience as we did yeah crunch time this is uh you know there's four weeks left including the rest of week 12 before most playoffs start most playoffs for a lot of people are starting week 15 so basically you have three regular season weeks left and then for us the leagues we run, the reason I say four weeks is because our trade deadlines, we haven't quite been able to abolish trade deadlines yet, but for a lot of our leagues that we commission, the trade deadlines are right before that player's game starts in week 15. So it's essentially like you have four weeks from now until the start of the playoff games in week 15 to move, to, to make moves, to trade spot starts, to even make a big all-in push. Um, I've been trying. I've been trying to make a couple trades where it's like, this is the time to make the big move. Hopefully I get ahead of a couple other people trying to do it. Um, so it's, it's crunch time. It really is crunch time. You should know by now if you're in position to make those moves. Um, I think that one thing that's underrated that we can talk a lot of, a little bit is it trading from, well, let me just pose this question. This wasn't exactly planned in the episode, but I'm going to pose this question to you. Say you have a team that is six and five, okay? And it's like fifth or sixth place. So you're pretty confident if you can just win like one or two more games in the regular season. If you go eight and six, you probably make the playoffs. You know, bar, barring that it's not a, t- a league where like only five make it. We have some where only five out of 12 make it. We have some where, or I have some where the, Last two spots to go to the high score. So it doesn't matter your record. You know, if you're two point or two games behind, but you have more points, you're going to get the last playoff spot. So some of those are a little different, but let's say you have these, these teams where you're like maybe 50, 60% chance to get in the playoffs. So you're not aggressively trying to like trade your first rounder necessarily. Cause it could end up being, you know, 104, 105, 106. But what do you think about trading? players in those leagues and trying to kind of pivot down but still steal the same type of production that you were going to get anyway but kind of hedge your bets on if i don't make it i have a couple more assets to play with so the example was like 
if you have DeAndre Hopkins right now, would you trade him for Keenan Allen and a second? What do you think about um, that? And you're not a top two or three team, so it's not like you're fighting for a bye. You're like in fourth or fifth place. You're probably not up there with the elite contenders. Like, is that the type of move you would look to make? Yeah, I see. I don't see why not with getting the second round pick back with it. Yeah, I, I think I would definitely do that. I mean, you're not losing too much production from Keenan to or Hopkins to Keenan. You know, it's probably like 80% of what Hopkins usually has been getting. So, and then Mike Williams out too. I mean, there could be some weeks where Keenan Allen outproduces Hopkins too, especially with Hollywood Brown coming back too. So you, you got to figure that in as well. So yeah, if I could do a trade like that, I would definitely do it. And Hopkins hasn't had his buy yet. He's going to have it next yeah. week. So that's another week where, and just looking at those moves, I mean, I know these are short-term moves, but if you look at the teams that have their buys in the next couple of weeks and you have players on those teams, you are going to get a week where you need to fill in a player. If you have like Aaron Jones, he hasn't had his buy. You have James Conner, he hasn't had his buy. You have Hopkins, he hasn't had his buy. You have Alan Lazard, he hasn't had his buy. Like I think people look at those guys and say, yeah, they can be productive for the rest of the year. But literally, what is wrong with pivoting off of those guys for even an extra third if you can stay in the same tier? Like, I think that could be a sneaky move because really you're looking at production that is so short term that I really could care less if I have James Conner the rest of the year or insert somebody else in the place. You know, insert, I don't know, probably hard after, you know, his last couple games, but even somebody like Jamal Williams or someone like that. You know, I don't see a massive difference between those two, yet you might be able to pick up an extra third or something like that in that type of pivot trade. So I think moves like that are underrated because the the value scope of what they are is so short term and so right now that we're in a three week season now, right before the playoffs actually start. If if a guy hasn't had his buy and he's going to be out one of those games, it, that's worth a lot more than what it was going into the season. So if you can look at those guys, specifically the teams that haven't had their buys yet, I, I think it is pragmatic to look at those players and say, is there another neutral pivot that I can make? And some of these you might just end up doing one for one. And that's it. You know, if you could trade James Conner for like Jeff Wilson, something like that, like that type of move, who cares about next year? They're the same thing because they're almost nothing going forward. You know, they're the same thing going forward. So it's like, Literally, you're playing for a three-week season. I, I don't know if I've been aggressive enough doing that, but I know I have a lot of those guys that still haven't had their buys yet, and I'm like, eh, I'm, I haven't really been aggressive making those kind of trades, but maybe that'll be a goal for me uh, the rest of this long weekend. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but there's a lot of examples of players like that, and it's like, man, I'm probably not aggressive enough sending out those offers because it's not an offer someone's going to send to you. No one's going to send you Jeff Wilson for James Conner because they probably are like, I don't really care who I have between the two. You know, I'm starting one or the other. If you give me one, you give me the other. I'm not motivated to pay anything to upgrade to the other one necessarily. Uh, but maybe you can get that type of deal done. So what do you think? No, those are all perfect examples of what you can be doing right now, especially like you said, with the bye week guys, that's perfect. So, you know, you don't, eat that bye week here in a week 13, which is probably going to be a very important game, you know, especially in leagues where record matters or whatnot. And you need to have that win, man. If you got 
the Kyler Hopkins stack, I mean, that, that could be detrimental to you. You could definitely lose that week and, uh, you know, not make your playoffs because of it. So, yeah, definitely be looking out for trades like that. And just tearing down, like you said, if you can tear down a spot or two in the rankings and get something back or just straight up even two, like Connor for Jeff Wilson, that's perfect. I, ab I absolutely love that one. If you could get that done, that would be perfect. You know, I'm sure there's other ones you could kind of think of too, but like I don't think James Connor is like missing that big of a piece at all, if any. So if you can get somebody back to uh, replace him for next week, I would definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just looking at positions like that and taking advantage of maybe where the where where the market inefficiencies are. And where people will probably say, oh, I would much rather prefer that player versus this player. Yet the reality is like, especially as we get to the offseason, that's what tonight's episode is going to focus mostly on is the offseason and how players are going to be viewed as soon as we get to the end of the year. We talk about that all the time. Like as soon as the clock strike midnight, we get to the end of the fantasy playoffs. There's a lot of players that you would have loved to have on your teams that you would have paid up for over the last month. As soon as the offseason hits, their market plummets. And it's not that their profile has changed, they've gotten any older, they're injured, nothing like that. It's just, it's almost like as soon as you hit the refresh button and all the odds have changed, you're going to see which players were valued where because of what they were doing production-wise and what they were doing during the season versus the players that are holding value because of their age, their profile, their situation, their upside, anything like that. So it's almost like hitting refresh on your browser and seeing all the odds change just like that. That's what's going to happen in Dynasty as soon as the fantasy playoff ends. And I think that you can maybe get ahead of that by taking some of these players that you know are going to be dinged in value. You already mentioned a couple, but there's so many of them. Literally any player that's over the age of like 28 any running back that's over the age of 26, unless they're just an elite stud, it, you already can predict where their value is going to go. It's going to be down. It's not going to be down because they're any worse. It's just going to be down because the demand for them of what people are going to be trying to obtain over the next six months is not going to be that type of player. So that's what tonight's show going to be about. We're going to talk about forecasting some things that may look differently here in the next two or three months into the 2023 off season. Uh, but just wanted to bring that up because I think this is a short year or a short season left, only three weeks left till the fantasy playoffs. Uh, and I do think you can start viewing the season in that scope. You can literally start playing things week to week, you know, and you can start looking at the players that haven't had their buys or the players that are out for the season. And if you can forecast them to be in this category of guys that are just going to bottom fall out of their value when we get to the off season, uh, you know, treat them like that now instead of waiting for it to happen. And then wondering, Oh, I can't get anything for him or I can't, I can't make any moves. Jordan McNamara talks about this all the time. The way he builds teams, the one detriment of the way he builds teams as we gets to the off season, nobody really wants all the backup running backs that he's hoarded. You know, nobody wants those guys. You're not the team everyone wants to trade with. Cause I look at your roster and I go, Oh, Eric, all you're holding is backup running backs. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want during the season. But when you get to the off season, 
you know, Deontay Foreman, Samaj P. Ryan. That's what not what people are looking for when they go to trade with you. They just gloss over those guys like, yeah, that guy's worthless. So it's an advantage. You can build teams into that direction when you get to the offseason. But if you have a team already like that, it's a little bit harder to trade. So any final thoughts on that topic before we move into uh, the couple things we were going to discuss? Yeah, well, I, I guess this is kind of on that topic, plus some of our other topics we're going to talk about. But the one thing that came to my mind when you were talking about that is like the DeAndre Hopkins, the Keenan Allens, Amari Cooper's getting up there, you know, guys like that. These guys that are going to be older, 28, 29, 30, Tyler Lockett, another one that comes to mind. If their price falls to like, I'm guessing none of those guys you'll be able to trade for a first round pick um, once the season ends. Do you can't even do it now? Yeah, you can't even do it now, really. So it comes to the offseason and they're, you know, valued even less probably any second basically gets them. Are you going to buy some of those guys like Cooper? I think Cooper could be a good buy. I think Hopkins. I mean, Hopkins still looks great. I haven't seen him fall off a step. Um, you know, Keenan Allen is still injury prone a little bit this year. Michael Thomas, you're going to try and buy back into that. Any of these guys you, you think you would be interested in buying? Uh, yes, but let's talk about what it takes to buy him. And this wasn't exactly on our topic list, but let's dive into it. Cause I think this is something that it's fairly predictable from what we've seen the last couple off seasons in dynasty, but is this something that might be a change? You mentioned three names, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett. All of them are over 30 right now. All of them are in line. If you, if you count Keenan Allen through the rest of the year and he's healthy, are probably in line to still produce startable numbers. You know, if not above baseline yeah, warp numbers. I'd say most are, uh, most leagues are at least start three wide receivers. So they're, I'd say that all three of them are top 36 wide receivers. Yeah, they, they'll, they will end up at top 36. Yeah. Hopkins and Lockett definitely will be. Keenan's got a little work to do to to jump in there because he's had missed games. Then he's had some games where he's been limited or he's left early or hasn't played much. So his points per game isn't necessarily going to be up there with the other two. But I think you can throw them all into the same bucket. They're all 30-plus, though. Historically, all of them are very good producers. So that's not something you have to worry about necessarily is like they're going to fall off a cliff and the cliff they fall off is they just fall all the way to the bottom to where they're out of the league. Right. Even if they fall off a little bit there, they have enough of a a cushion to say they're still going to be like viable on a team, at least for another year, if not longer. So really what you're banking on is you essentially can buy on the dip and buy on the fact that the demand for those types of players is going to fall through the floor. But what we've seen in the past is, and a lot of times this isn't the guys that come off really good seasons like those guys. It's the ones that came off injured seasons where they didn't produce. It's the ones that came off a year where they look like they lost a step or they missed a bunch of games due to injury, or they missed the entire season due to injury. People are less likely to buy back in until they see it again. Yeah. Like Michael Thomas. Perfect. example. Like Michael Thomas will be one that fits into that. He fits into that. Yep. He'll fit into that category as a guy that, you know, people are just going to say, yeah, he's never going to come back. Now he'll be 30. uh, As soon as we get to the off season this year, he turns 30, I believe in like February. 
uh, Allen Robinson will be another one that'll turn 30 before next season. And people will go, yeah, he's just done. He's just dead. And that might be true, but I think he's also a guy you can't even get a second for at this point, you know, because their quarterback said he's not helping you win if you have him. Like you can play him by default, but, you know, if they have a third string quarterback, their offense is terrible. Like I don't even want to have him on teams right now. But I think he goes into the offseason and people just go, yeah, he might be done. He might be dead. Mm. But I also could tell you a story where, like, they didn't really use him right. Their offense was a complete mess. They haven't they haven't been able to use anybody besides Cooper Cup, really. Like, they haven't figured out how to have anybody else produce except for Higby in some games where it's like they just give him a ton of targets. So maybe it wasn't all him. Maybe if he would have gone to, like, there's no reason to think Allen Robinson couldn't be Adam Thielen if he was on the Vikings. But he's not. You know, so you're betting more on there needs to be something around him that changes for his value to bounce back. But if he's going to fall, he's not even really worth a second now. And if he's going to fall 10 to 20 percent because of the fact that he had a bad year and he's going to be 30 before next season starts, you should be able to get him in deals where you're swapping like a second and a third or you trade him on the clock in the draft and you trade down seven spots and you get him for free. Like, that's the kind of price point that I'm interested in buying. So I guess that's my question. In years past, you and I could have this discussion. But I'll tell you what, when you get on the clock in the rookie draft, Eric, and you really, really want to take Isaiah Spiller with that 205, and someone's offering you Allen Robinson to move up from the 210 to the 205, years past, you wouldn't have taken it. You know, you would have been like, nah, fuck Allen Robinson. He's dead. So I think that's where the value is, is picking these guys up when all you're doing is like moving back in the draft or mm-hmm. all you're doing is, you know, trading a, a player for a first and you're getting a throw in player back. Like, I think that's where the value of these guys is. It's not paying the second because I think the second is the price you pay on like Tyler Lockett right now. If you want him, you know, he's the that's the price you pay when he's scoring points. When he's not scoring points, there's still an element of risk that you're you're taking when you buy him in February for a second. So I don't know if you have to pay that, but that's my question. Are you willing to do that more flexibly on the clock and take those guys for like trade back deals? Or, you know, here's another example. Someone has DeAndre Hopkins, okay? You have the 103. They need a quarterback. They want to move back from the 103 to the 105, but they want to give you DeAndre Hopkins. Is that a deal you consider, or are you going to be, is it going to be really, really specific to the deal? Because I would tell you that, like, from a warp perspective, if Hopkins produces close for even half the season next year, what he is right now, you should take that trade all day. But even me in years past, I would have been way too stuck on my own tears you know, my own assurances of who I think is good and who isn't and all that stuff. And I would have probably not making that move. I would have scoffed at the guy that's trying to give me the Andre Hopkins or Keenan Allen in the off season. Cause I'm like, I don't even want that guy. Then you get to the season. And it's like, damn, I wish I had one of those guys laying around on the bench, you know? Right. That makes sense. Man, it, it depends. Like, like you said, oh, he's going to uh, – he wants to move up to get his quarterback. Hell no. I'm making you pay that quarterback tax, especially in Superflex. DeAndre Hopkins isn't enough tax, so you got to give me a little bit more. But I guess it just depends on who's on the board, who's available, oh, all that. So say stuff. it's not a quarterback move. Let's say it's your wide receiver one versus your wide receiver two. Yeah, then I would do it, yes. Okay. 
But if it's for like a quarterback or you know how it is, we get in these drafts, there's like four or five elite guys and then the tier breaks. You know, then I'll, you know, if I'm moving from that tier out of that tier, then no, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. But, but that's, see, that's, that's exactly my point. You think well, there's no. a tier break until you realize that was never, should have never been a tier break there. You know, it's right, the, yeah. uh, uh, Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Draylon Burks versus Chris Olave. Clear right. tier break, man. You know, I'm not, I don't want to trade back three spots because now I'm giving up Garrett Wilson and getting Chris Olave. And I know that's hindsight. You can look back and always find spots like that in drafts. But it, when you look at it that way, getting a free throw-in player that's not just a throw-in player. We're talking about an elite, mm. potential elite producer, or at least very good producer, that's just so far past anything of dynasty value that there is a reason that they're thrown in. And I, I don't know if everybody makes those deals, but it feels like that's the price point on guys like that. It's like... Nobody wants to pay the second for Tyler Lockett in March. Nobody will sell him for a third. So you either have to pay multiple thirds or a player in a third, or you have to take advantage of on the clock in the draft where someone really is confident and they need a player and you're willing to move back from the prime zone into kind of the dead zone. You know, that's, Sometimes you got to move out of those tiers because everyone else wants to get into those tiers and that's your only place you can actually find a deal. Yeah, I think it's hard. To, I mean, the principle of it and what you're talking about, yeah, that makes sense, but I think without knowing the situation and the players, it's hard to like really say, "Oh, yeah, I would do that" or "No, I wouldn't do that." But I think what you're getting at makes perfect sense. Yeah, I agree. So another question for you along these same lines. Um, what are you going to do with running backs this offseason? Are you going to be a little, because we've talked about this offline, uh, and you've mentioned it on a couple other shows. Last week you mentioned how a lot of the running backs that we took in the third and fourth rounds of rookie drafts this year haven't really gotten an opportunity. And partially that is just bad luck. They haven't had the injuries ahead of them that they would have needed. You know, like... Take like Jerome Ford, for instance. You could have told me a narrative where he was the number two on the Browns. Had they traded Kareem Hunt, he beats out Dearness Johnson. He really would have needed just one injury to be a guy you could maybe start. But it's never happened that way. In fact, the Browns have not had an inkling of injury at all at running back between Hunt or Chubb. So not even Dearness Johnson hasn't even had a got hasn't got a chance. And then Jerome Ford was the one of the four that actually got injured this year. So it was like the process was probably right in drafting a bunch of Jerome Ford and picking up a bunch of Dearness Johnson, but it just hasn't been the right luck. Same with Ty Chandler. Dalvin Cook hasn't got banged up at all. Madison hasn't really got banged up at all. So it's like Ty Chandler was the one that got hurt. But easily, if he would have been in, you know, another backfield, he could have been the starter. You know, if right. he would have been in the Denver backfield to start the year, he might be the starter by week eight. Yeah. But instead, he's on a team where there hasn't been an injury. So part of that's been bad luck. Uh, but I think part of it is just when you pick those guys, it is a complete coin flip. It almost has nothing to do with their talent or anything. Sure, you can tier them based on talent, but you're drafting guys you hope land somewhere where they're on the roster. And then you hope that just you take advantage when shit doesn't break the way of the guys ahead of them. That's it. So... Are you going to be now the one my point with this was I'm guilty of it. I know you were guilty of it. We shared, 
how many shares we had a lot of these rookie running backs last year. And it was like, and I still have a ton. It was in the teens, some even in the 20s of guys you could pick up in the fourth or on waivers. Yet we probably overlooked a lot of the veterans that could have been had easily for some of these picks versus, you know, did I really need to take that 10th Hassan Haskins share when I could have got two Deontay Foremans for him from somebody? And at the time, I'm sitting there going, fuck Deontay Foreman, I don't want him. You know what I mean? Are you going to be a little more open to these veteran running backs that you've kind of just tossed aside and said they suck and then realize that, damn, they may luck themselves into a shot that's even better than one of the rookies because it's like every running back in that range, like the third running back on a roster and below, it's it's almost just like a lottery ticket. There is no rhyme or reason or strategy. It's like get as many of them as you can and cycle them in as as much as you can. But the veterans are usually the ones that don't cost anything in the offseason. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we could look at doing more in the offseason this year, especially like when you get to the fourth round and you're taking your 24th share of Ty Chandler like I was. Definitely can do that. Like Tristan Ebner, Snoop Connor, guys like that. You know, they haven't really done much this year, but yeah, I could have traded, you know, one of those guys for Foreman. But I think what you got to do is you got to know that guy has a role. You know, Foreman was locked in pretty much as the number two running back, or at least number three with um, Hubbard there. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Well, here, I'll give you an example. So let's say we're on the clock in rookie drafts next year, okay? It's May. All right? We're getting to the late second, early third, and you're basically at like, okay, at this point, I'm taking all running backs. I got a bunch of thirds. I got a bunch of fourths. We get to the middle of the third there's a, you know, a fifth round running back on the board that you like. Then you're like, that's the guy I want to target. Someone comes to you and says, Eric, I will give you Gus Edwards, who didn't sign anywhere in free agency and he's still on waivers. The NFL hasn't even signed him. I'll give you Gus Edwards and Samaj P. Ryan. Neither got a sniff of interest in free agency. They're both NFL free agents. Would you take Gus Edwards and Samaj P. Ryan or draft fifth round Chase Brown? Fifth round Chase Brown or whoever. Okay. Just because they're not on a roster yet. If they're not signed by, by then, like, yeah. Like how many running backs were still available? Like after the, um, after the NFL draft and, you know, that guy didn't sign any sign with anywhere. It was like Melvin Gordon. And I'm sure there was a couple others. Latavius Murray, Justin Jackson. But here's the question. Why weren't they on a roster? But maybe this is our blind spot is a lot of times guys like that. They don't have any interest from the NFL because the NFL teams are like, I'm not in a hurry to sign Gus Edwards. But we also I'm know not that in a hurry to trade for them either. I, right. And that was an example of where clearly I think the answer is Chase Brown. But at what at what degree do you say, OK, I can get four of those guys for one draft pick? And well, it's literally yeah, that makes sense if it's four. But like even if it's uh, just like two. But, maybe, but Eric, you can know. picture it being four. Someone goes, hey, Eric, I really want to get this one, this 307 that's on the clock. And they go, I'll give you Gus Edwards and Samaj P. Ryan. And both of them are NFL free agents. 
and you're like, yeah, I don't really want those guys. Then they go, well, how about I throw in another guy? Eric, I will throw in my, let's see, let me find an example of a guy that you could potentially throw like in. Trustin Ebner and Stoop Connor, stuff like that. Now, it, maybe that, but okay, I, I'll throw in a, can I interest you in a Josh Kelly, who's also a free agent? Can I interest you in, to the point where it's like, okay, you're giving me four shots of guys that, A, I don't even know if they're going to sign anywhere, right? B, I have no clue if they're going to make an active roster when we get to the regular season. But C, if they do, you pretty much know if they make a roster, they are going to be in that spot where they're like an injury away from playing. Even if you think they suck. Like they either make it or you cut them. Right. But that's, Plus, what, you're, that's what you're drafting though at the same time. You're just yeah. drafting a fresher version of it. That's it. But if I'm trading four for one, I also got to have three roster spots to fucking I, roster uh, them. Agree. Agree, but we play in some leagues where it's like, dude, you have 33 roster spots, and you know, you and I maximize our roster spots, but there's going to be a cleanse when we get to the end of this season, and there's going to be some roster clogger receivers that I'm dropping. There's going to be backup quarterbacks that I'm going to dropping. There's going to be even some tight ends where there's some leagues where even in my roster construction series, I go, listen, if it's a 1.5 premium and it's one start one, why the fuck do I got 10 tight ends? There's some teams I have like nine tight ends because there's nobody else to pick up. But when we get to the off season, you know, how many Tyree Jacksons are you holding in the off season in a 1.5 start one? I'm not even holding them during the season right now. Right. But if he's the kind of guy <laughs> you picked up, if you picked up him, you picked up, I don't know, Bryson Hopkins, those you types. Pick you pick up Jack Stoll? My point is, if you did, we things get out of control during the season where you just start picking up players to fill spots. But if we truly look at like how we're going to evaluate how we want to build our teams, we're going to get to the offseason and go, wow, this league is 33-man rosters. There's really only like 26 players that I have right now that are fitting what I want to keep. So I may have seven roster spots. I might. Especially if I have a team that has a bunch of thirds and fourths. I better have roster spots. I better have a taxi. So I, I think that is something that, and, and again, this is where you also need somebody that's willing to sell you for veterans like that for one rookie pick. But I bet you there were situations in the past where someone would have come to me and been like, yeah, I'll give you these three old dust ball running backs. And I would have been like, yeah, fuck that. I'm taking another Ty Chandler. Then I end up with like, you know, 28 Ty Chandlers. Okay, so here's another question for you, kind of along the same topic. So all of these running backs that we just mentioned, your Ty Chandlers, Jerome Ford, Snoop Connor, Tristan Ebner, Kevin Harris, Pierre Strong, all these guys who haven't done a fucking thing this year. Don't you think some of those guys are going to get dropped too? Or are you just going to scoop them all up? Yes, those guys are going to get cut. But once they get cut or once the season ends, they are no different than like Kevin Harris is no different than Latavius Murray at the end of the season. They're the exact same thing. And some people might go, I'm cutting Latavius Murray. I'm keeping Kevin Harris. Why? Because Kevin Harris is young. But you're at such a low area of what matters. The only thing that matters is the next move with that player. That's it. 
you know, if the Patriots signed Latavius Murray in August of next year, he literally takes Kevin Harris's spot. And nothing else matters at that point than who is where. So I think the whole theme of this is I think I need to, and this is me, maybe it's not you, but I need to cast a little bit of a wider net and not just give up on these guys that don't finish the year on rosters or finish the year buried. Kenyon Drake is a guy I could see finishing this season buried, right? You agree with that? Probably. Yeah, Drake, I could definitely see that, yeah. So he can finish this year buried. And I could be like, oh, Kenyon Drake, man, he couldn't even he couldn't even hack it at the end of the year with the Ravens. So let me cut him in my dynasty team. It's the same shit we do with Latavius every year. We're like, yeah. oh, he ain't gonna fucking make exactly. it. Exactly. Cut him. Exactly. And that's the type of player that if Kenyon Drake finishes the year out not even really playing, he will be one of the players that people would be like, dude, I'll take anything. And I think the other thing is, you know, we see it in our leagues. We get to the offseason and it's like, dude, I'll take any fifth for Kenyon Drake. You and I would have been like, I'm not, I don't even want Kenyon Drake. Maybe now, if I can buy two or three of these guys out of your bargain basement bin for a fourth, that's a deal we should probably take. I don't know if there'll be people that are doing that, but I think just seeing where, you know, people get rookie fever and they want to pick their guy, like you can probably make those moves, especially if you are, if you are fishing in those waters where it's like just the, the running backs that literally could retire tomorrow. You can get those guys. People just want them off their teams. So I think that that's a move I'm going to try to make a little more aggressively and cast a wider net. Because I have, you and I are are as up on the running back landscape as anybody in the dynasty space. And how many times this year have you gone, well, shit, I didn't see that coming. Latavius Murray uh, is a guy that's being sold for fucking seconds now because he's probably going to get 50 touches the next two weeks. Yeah. Like, how about when we came... uh... Let's just say April, even May. Uh, I don't. I don't remember when he signed, but who would have thought like Marlon Mack would have less than ten carries on the season, mm-hmm. and without an injury? <laughs> like yep. he, he was the starter for Houston, and then he got cut by Houston. And I don't. I think he's maybe has like one or two carries on the year or whatever. Like that's crazy to me. Like people were like, "Oh, Marlon Mack's the starter. Damian Pierce is going to have to back up." Yeah, that didn't happen, and Marlon Mack hasn't done shit. Trey Sermon got cut, went to the Eagles. Oh, that's a run team. They always have a guy like Jordan Howard that comes in and does does the hammer work. Trey Sermon hasn't even fucking touched the ball this year, I don't think. Maybe like one or two carries. Yep. Same same type of player. So a lot of those guys are going to get dropped, especially like Trey Sermon. Like This is what his uh, the third year going into next year. He hasn't like really done anything. Like I could definitely see some Trey Sermons getting cut. Ronald Jones hasn't done a fucking thing this year, probably until this week uh, when he's active. He hasn't been active at all, all year. I bet you he gets dropped if he doesn't do anything for uh, Kansas City at all. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be more vigilant on those kinds of running backs. And like we had talked about on the Warp episodes with draft picks, like the mid-third is like when it starts to get like negative Warp. Fourths and fifths are definitely negative Warp. So if I can buy a spot start running back that, or just a backup running back that has a shot that's on a team. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I don't, I'm not, I'm never too keen on buying these guys that don't have a job. Like that scares me. So I tend to avoid that. If you don't have a job coming out of, out of the draft, 
usually I'm not like in on you or buying you unless you're like an elite player that just doesn't have a job yet. Kind of like, I don't want to say Julio's elite, but I was willing to at least hold on to Julio and see what happened to him. You know, players like that. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I, I think that, and I think that's kind of why we had this conversation is I think that might be the blind spot for both of us because it all it takes for Latavius Murray to have a job is literally someone signs him. Because you also know someone's not signing him so that he can compete with Devontae Price for the fifth running back spot. They're probably signing him because he immediately goes to like the number two or the number three. So I think that's where we kind of get a little bit of... Um, I don't, I don't even want to say it's a blind spot. It's just we have bias against guys that aren't in roles when we make the moves. And I'm not advocating when it comes to June that you're paying thirds for running backs that are NFL free agents. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just be open to the process. There's a time when you embraced literally in the offseason. I remember going into the offseason, the number of running backs I was rostering in my portfolio was like over 120 running backs across the league. Okay, now how many teams are in the NFL, Eric? There's 32, sir. Okay, now how many teams? Well, how many... 31, maybe. You got it. Who, who's your flavor of the week that you just hate and doesn't? Like um, does and in the off season, everyone everyone counts again. So 32. What's 32 times three? Uh, 32 times three is 96. Okay, so that's 96 running backs that in theory, some teams keep four on game days, some teams only keep three. In theory, I was rostering almost on average, 128 would be four, four times the teams in the league. I was on average rostering four running backs per NFL team. We know teams are not going to have four running backs active on game day. Very, very rarely do teams do that. Some teams really only have three. Some teams will go down to two because they have like a hybrid player that might not be eligible for running back or, you know, maybe they're a special teams guy. So clearly in the offseason, you're rostering way, way more running backs that are going to be relevant when the season gets here. And then as the season gets here and you start seeing, okay, this guy's going to be the number two. This guy's going to be the number three. There's no way this guy makes the team. You start to cut them down and it trims down to probably less than like 90 or so that you're rostering during the season. And those 90 can change during the season. Guys get cut, guys get released, guys get traded, guys get hurt. Other players move into the mix. But you start to tighten up that number that you're carrying. But I think in the offseason, we just need to do a better job of kind of embracing the fact that that 120 could be 130. It could be 140. It's literally any running back that Batot possibly could make a team when it matters at some point we should embrace. And I didn't do that to enough of an extreme. And I also... Another mistake that I made, and we've talked about this, I made too many third and fourth round picks last year. The right process was to pick those guys, but I actually wish there were some teams where I had more of those picks laying around during the season. And I think that's going to be more key next year because you know what's kind of dried up, Eric? The let's flip the roster clogger receiver for a third. I've noticed a lot less people are buying those types now. They're not feeding into the, oh, I can easily go collect a bunch of picks because I know there's a dummy in my league that's going to pay me a third for Jalen Rager because he was a first-round pick three years ago, right? That's not happening much anymore. So the way to keep your chamber of picks during the season, I think, is going to be be a little more creative in trading out of the picks when you really want to make the pick. Instead of picking your 12th Hassan Haskins share, maybe you trade that pick for a future third and a future fourth. 
and just wait to use the dart until later on in the season when you have a better look at the the running back landscape. I think that's going to be another thing I need to do because I I wasted a lot of picks, picks that I used third or fourth rounders on that, dude, I could have bought a spot start for during the season if I would have had more. Yeah, I, I could see that for the offseason, just like trading out for the 2024 picks like you talked about. I'll give you my 2023 for for uh 2024 third and maybe a fourth something like that just get or, two or you trade a third for three bodies yeah or a third for three bodies yeah. same thing it, it turning those into multiple assets or multiple shots i think is the point yeah so i don't i don't necessarily agree with getting like three running backs that aren't on even a, even on a team I could see maybe one of those guys okay, okay one of those guys and then maybe another one that just signed and then another one is Kevin Harris, because who's on a team, but he was buried. So he's yeah, a rookie that didn't squad. hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I could do something like that. Yeah. But doing like three, just free agents, their team didn't bring them back. Eh, that's a little scary to me. I think I'd rather just, I'll just take the rookie, especially in this draft. I mean, that's, that's another thing. Uh, we talked about a little bit last week with Shane Hallam, how deep this running back class is. You're going to have your Mohammed Ibrahims and uh, Chase Browns, like you talked about these running backs uh, that are going to be like the third, fourth rounds of every rookie draft. I'm just going to want to gobble all these guys up as much as I can. Okay. So how, but how many is too many of one guy to the point where I already have 10 Ty Chandlers and this league, I can get a 24 third and they're going to give me some AJP Ryan. And last year you would have been like, fuck that deal. I don't care. But then maybe you should take a couple more of those. How many is too many? I mean, you're talking to the guy who had like 27 Ty Chandler shares there, so there's never too many. I still believe in him. I'm still going to roster him. And if anybody drops him in our leagues this year, I'm picking him up. Like, I'm I'm just going to roster him because I believe in that guy. I will go down with the ship on that one. Okay, so how many is too many of players you don't necessarily believe in, but you just like their price? So, like, you know you can get this guy in the fourth of every draft because – Nobody else is taking him for one reason or the other. Like Tristan yeah, like Ebner was that Snoop guy Connor, last year. Yeah, yeah. Connor Ebner's. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there comes probably a point where it's probably too much of those guys. But I think one thing that we did was diversify. We weren't taking every single draft. We weren't taking Ebner. We weren't taking Connor. We were switching it up too. We were taking Pierre Strong. We were taking Kevin Harris. We were taking Zonovan Knights. Um, I mean, he was undrafted. That's probably not the greatest example. But, like, any of these drafted running backs that were at the end there, we were just at least taking a shot here and there, switching it up. Like, here I am up in the third round, Brian Robinson, Zamir White, uh, Jerome Fords, Hassan Haskins, Keontae Ingram. All those guys were sitting there. And it wasn't every single draft I'm taking Robinson or White. I'm I was switching up between all five of those guys. Um, you know, Tyler Algier was in that mix yeah, too. Tyler Algier too. Yeah. So I was mixing it up um, each time there. So it would depend on too. Like sometimes, like say I um, I had Cordell Patterson. Okay. Well, I want to draft. I'm going to draft Tyler Algier too, and I'm just going to handcuff that backfield because especially in our leagues where you start 13, 14, 15. I don't mind starting like the whole backfield of a team. Like, hey, if you had the whole Lions backfield this year, you're you're feeling pretty good. Or the whole Browns backfield, you know, any of those types. You're you're starting both of those guys, and they've paid off mostly. So, I think that's especially that's only for deeper starting leagues. Like, I'm not going to do that in a start nine, ten, eleven. You know, 
I might take a, the backup here or there, but just that kind of depends. But that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, so that's a lot of good uh, points to think about with running backs. I mean, it's going to be something we both probably have to look at and figure out how we're going to play it a little bit differently. I think our process has been right, uh, but I also think there's some tweaks, just stuff we've learned from this year, stuff we've learned about how the market's going to behave, how more people are going to start incorporating this type of strategy next year. Um, I think there'll be some slight adjustments that we can make, and we'll talk about that on future shows. But uh, let's end it with this. This was one of our original topics we were going to talk about. We spent a lot more time than I thought we would on running backs, but that's why we're degenerates. We spend 45 minutes talking about the the, the most random the, shit ever. Yeah, the, the lowest common denominator running backs on rosters that most people would just say. You know, those don't fucking matter. We do a whole 45-minute yeah. episode on it. but We're talking about spot 35 on your roster instead of spot one or right. two. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's talk quarterbacks. Let's go for about 15 minutes or so on quarterbacks because um, I think it's been fascinating, some observations that I've had, and I'll just throw these out to you and get your response. So obviously I think it's been right to lead into the two elite quarterback strategy, right? I think you would agree with that. Your teams that have the elite quarterbacks have been pretty successful, regardless yeah, of what them. else you have in between. Yeah, most of them, yep. However, I did an episode on our Patreon, so Dynasty and Chill, uh, patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. I did an episode right before the season. I don't know if you listen to it or not. Uh, Eric does content on there throughout the off season as well, so sign up for that if you have any interest in uh, seeing some of our content. I know most people that listen to this are already part of the the Patreon with uh, destination Debbie, patreon.com slash all gas. But I did an episode, Eric, and it was how am I going to lose this year in dynasty? What things can happen that if they go wrong for me could cause me to not be successful. And one of the things I said on there was I had leaned into the two elite quarterback strategy as much as I could, right? As many teams as I possibly could. I was always looking for, how can I pay up to try to trade for an elite quarterback if I don't have two of them going into this season? Some teams I didn't make that uh, a reality. Some of them I couldn't. Some of them I had quarterback twos like Matt Stafford or Russell Wilson or those Aaron types. Rogers, yeah. And I go, ah, okay, I'm okay with that, especially if I had a third. I was okay with those guys as my QB two. And... One of the things I said on that show was what happens if some of the teams where I've made big bets on QBs producing at the elite level, what if they don't produce at that elite level? They might've still been good, but relative to the, what I paid to get them compared to some of the other guys that are also producing there that didn't nearly cost that much. What's happening to those teams? What's happening to my team that has Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert? And I might have paid up to draft both of those guys in the top four or five of the startup, right? But the reality is I'm still going to beat 75% of the teams in my league if I have those two quarterbacks because they're still top 12 quarterbacks. It's not like they suck, right? It's not like they're down in Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson range where they're just terrible. But they're not difference makers. You know, they're Kyler's QB8, Herbert's QB12. So I'm still beating most of the teams in my league. However, all it takes is one or two teams to have the right combination of skill players that they hit on. 
guys that are spiking week to week that I don't have because I probably, I mean, I'm assuming this was a startup maybe. That's the easiest example. Startup, we probably traded away our middle round picks to get some of the elite quarterbacks, right? I traded away my second, mm-hmm. my third, my fourth, my fifth, my sixth, whatever. Probably a couple of those picks. I don't care. I'll just pick, you know, at the later end of the skill player range. But what happens if one of those teams that traded back with me picked up a bunch of extra valuable picks, but they're also the team that's got Jimmy G and Geno Smith. And maybe they have a third. Maybe they also have a, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, someone like that, but they haven't really had to play him every single week. Like I've been playing Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. And so those teams probably have better skill players than me too, right? Or at least they have more assets to play with because I they might be have you know, taking those guys and made a couple trade backs. Like they could still probably cash in their league, but their quarterbacks are kind of blah, you know, but they're still producing in the short term. And that was one of the things I said is I'm going to beat most people in my leagues. If I go with two elite quarterbacks, but there's going to be one or two teams that hits on the right cheap quarterbacks and also hits on the right variants at some of the other places that can match me. And that's what's happening. I've noticed there's a couple teams at the top of the, the league in, in leagues this year their quarterbacks suck. They don't suck, but they're, you know, this team's been riding Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm going, how the fuck are they in second place? And it's like, oh, they got Stefan Diggs and Travis Kelsey. Then it don't matter who their quarterbacks are. They're more than happy clicking Geno Smith and Jimmy G every week. And they know those guys aren't going to beat out Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray in a lot of weeks. But it doesn't matter because they're still producing, you know, low end QB numbers or even low end QB one or at least top 15 numbers. Now, how do you adjust to that in the offseason? Because they can say, yep, it was a successful strategy. I could have won a championship with some of those quarterback rooms. But as soon as you get to the offseason, it's going to be right back to where we were. People are going to be scared of those guys going like, oh, there's no way Jimmy G and Geno Smith can repeat QB one numbers next year. I doubt you're even betting on that, right? No, I ain't betting on that. Okay, so how do you hit the reset button at quarterback? What is the the landscape going to look like? Because I do feel if we have teams that win like that this year, there are going to be some people next year that go, I don't need two elite quarterbacks. Right. Let me let me try to hit on the mid-round ones. How is that going to change your thinking? What's your approach going to be in the offseason, given that we've seen some of these elite guys that just they they haven't they've been good, but they just haven't given you the massive advantage? Now, are you talking as far as a new startup, like approaching it that way or approaching it from I already have these guys on my roster? Um, I think the the more prudent discussion is probably the startup approach. But even, okay, even from a league where you have uh, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, okay, or you have, let's say you have Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott, okay? Those guys are good, very good but not difference makers this year. So are you going into next season going like, man, the gap between Dak Prescott and Geno Smith is actually a lot less than what the market should dictate that it is. So in your head, if someone comes to you with Geno Smith and too late first, are you giving them Dak Prescott? Or are you still going to go, ah, man, I I can't buy it. I I can't take that risk. I'd much rather have the guy I think could be elite, even though really hasn't been elite. Yeah, uh, my approach on this is very simple. I'm doubling down on the two elite quarterback approach and just going with that because 
the times that that is going to work out is going to be like 80% of the time as opposed to 20% of the time when Geno Smith is a quarterback one or Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback one. I'm going to bet on the talent. I'm going to bet on the stud quarterback. So it's it's pretty simple for me. I'm, I'll even double down on the double elite quarterbacks, honestly. Well, and you could have gone Ryan Tannehill and Jameis Winston and thought you had the same as Jimmy G and Geno Smith. Yeah, and, and then you're you in last place. Yeah, you completely missed and whiffed out. I think, yeah, I don't think it changes much. I mean, I, I don't mind having those guys as a third quarterback. Like, I don't mind having Geno or Garoppolo for a third, but those guys are going to be a lot more expensive to acquire. I think what we need to do is try and find the new one of, of those guys that are going to be the new Jimmy G, the new Geno Smith for 2023. Like, you know, do we bet on Tannehill again? And he improves. Uh, he's still the Titan starter. Does Jameis Winston get a job somewhere? Um, you know, I don't can't think of a team off the top of my head, but if Jimmy G goes and starts somewhere, or um, Jameis starts somewhere, you know, any of those types of guys, like if they can get a job somewhere and, and resurrect things, or even some of these guys that... Um, you know, are sucking right now that that could improve. Like, I think the hot one right now is like nobody wants to um, buy Zach Wilson. You know, you can't even get like a second round pick for Zach Wilson right now. Are you willing to just buy Zach Wilson for some of those thirds, um, and do that and kind of just bank on that Zach Wilson can come back and and do something in his career, or do you think Zach Wilson's completely done? There's, there's a hundred, you know, different guys that we could go through, you know, who can they improve? Can they not improve? Are they worth anymore? Like Derek Carr, like Derek Carr coming into the season, everyone thought he was great. He had Waller Adams and Renfro, and it's really just been Adams all year. You know, the other two got hurt, you know, and Derek Carr hasn't smashed like we thought he would. So that's another example, but I don't know. Would you be willing to buy some of those guys that that have really struggled this year, like Tannehill, Zach Wilson, stuff like that? Yeah, um, I do think that there is a discussion to be had with roster construction, too, because I do think that a popular approach is going to be. If you have two elite quarterbacks, but then you don't have a third. Versus having four guys that could all be Geno Smith's or Ryan Tannehill's, it's neither. There's nothing in the middle. They're either good or they're not, right? But if you have four of them, you have a better chance to kind of cast a wider net and you hit on one, right? So I think there's that. I think the guys I want to buy, like I don't know if you've checked out Keep Trade Cut lately, and I I, I don't want to use that as like an actual market because I think that some of their reactions on there are kind of ridiculous. But again, we're talking about a dynasty game where everyone does react super, super aggressively on things that happen. Oh, yeah. But, okay, so they have... In here, uh, Sky Moore and Russell Wilson. Only the difference between the two is a third. Would you pay Sky Moore to get Russell Wilson? A hundred percent. They have Christian Watson worth fifty percent more than Russell Wilson. Would you pay Christian Watson straight up to get Russell Wilson? One hundred percent. Okay. They have. Let's see. Aaron Rodgers and Sky Moore exactly the same value. Would you pay Sky Moore to get Aaron Rodgers? 100%. So I think the I think the buys are if you can get them at anywhere close to these KTC prices. I think the buys are Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, the guys that people have put into this shitty zone. 
you're just bounce. You're just betting that they bounce back. That you never are going to think they're going to bounce back to being, you know, top eight. But all they got to do is bounce back to be like top fifteen, and it's worth what their price is. So I'll go a step further. Are you paying Geno Smith right now to get Russell Wilson in Dynasty? Yes, I'd I'd still pay that. Yep. Okay, so you're paying basically a quarterback for quarterback. You would still re-roll on the guy that's been good for eight years versus the guy that's never been good until last year. Yeah, I would take the bet on, on Russell Wilson coming back and they get that stuff together, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I assume the same thing would be you would pay like Jimmy Garoppolo to get Aaron Rodgers? Uh, yeah, I think I would be willing to do that. Yeah. Okay. You would pay, would you pay like Kenny Pickett to get Derek Carr? Yes, I would do that. So I think those are the type of moves that you can make. And you're literally just fading the fact that, I mean, I'm looking at DLF ADP. They have Russell Wilson at QB 20, Aaron Rodgers at QB 22. Like those are two that it's just like, they're either done or they bounce back. There really isn't an in-between, you know? So I think that's where I, the offseason is going to be interesting. Do you, this is my question about forecasting. Do you think these prices will hold into the offseason? Or do you think guys like Rogers, Stafford, Wilson, their prices will actually go up in the offseason because we've kind of put this shitty season behind us? I think... I think they're going to be kind of valued. I think they're all going to be like first round pick value still, but like that might be it. Like you can, you could get Aaron Rodgers for the 112. You can get Stafford for the 112. So you'd pay the 112 for those guys? Depending on my quarterback situation. Yeah. Like if I have, you know, I'm counting on Jimmy Garoppolo as my quarterback too right now. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably buy a Rodgers or a Stafford for like a 112. Well, let's say you have one of those busted QB rooms. You have Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. Would you pay the 112 to add Russell Wilson as your third? Just as decent insurance? Yeah. I don't think that's a bad, bad call. No, I think I would be able to do that. Yeah. And I think that's another thing I will learn from last year. Have you, do you have any current teams where you have two elite quarterbacks, but they were like, one of them was Dak Prescott or one of them was Kyler and they've missed games and they're fucking you. Cause you don't have a third. Yeah. I've had uh, I had a Mahomes and Herbert team and they both had the same buy as well. So that kind of sucked. Um, I think I had to start. Uh, I think I picked up PJ Walker to start that week. Okay, so is that a team, if you have those, are you going to be a little more... Because I think the one way to ensure yourself that you're not getting screwed from the two elite quarterbacks that don't produce how you think. So I had a team where I took Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray in the startup, right? I felt great. It's a 14-teamer. I started out 5-11. and 11. Part of it is because I paid a lot to get those two in a 14-team startup. Right, right. But guess who I took in like the seventh round? Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy G. And I haven't been able to trade him because throughout the year, nobody would give me anything for Jimmy G. It was like I, I started out 5-11 and 11 in that league. I was in like 10th place out of 14. I tried to trade Jimmy G. Nobody would even give me a second. And this was after the Lance injury and everything. So, like, you knew he was going to start the rest of the year. Before the McCaffrey trade, so maybe that would have changed it. But I put him on the block. No one wanted him. Guess what? I've won three weeks in a row. I'm now in a place where I'm actually buying 
That's because I've been starting Jimmy G over Kyler Murray. But having that third QB that it was in that Jimmy G, Geno Smith range by complete luck. You know, it could have been any other guy in that range that ended up there, but I ended up with three of them on one team. That has bailed me out on a roster where I went all in on two elite quarterbacks. That's been huge. So I think that's another thing is getting the insurance and hoping the insurance you buy is good insurance. It's not, uh, you know, QB 35 insurance. It's not Jameis Winston insurance. Right, right. It's not. Well, this guy could be a zero or he could be injured and not playing. If you hit on one of these quarterbacks, that's really good insurance, like a top 20 quarterback or better. And he's your QB three. Maybe next year, I'm going to be a little less worried about trading that guy. So I think that's another thing is maybe we should look at on our, our two elite quarterbacks, even if it is a, a Dak and Kyler Murray, which I don't feel as good of that as I don't feel as good about Dak Kyler Murray as I do Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? But maybe the key is having the third on the Dak and Kyler Murray team, the third QB. That That's Ryan Tannehill or Aaron Rodgers, you know, like maybe that works out better. I've found my teams that are in situations like that are better. So mm-hmm. does, that, does that change your strategy? And you know, another thing that that does, Eric, if when I do that, that's one less QB for the teams with shitty quarterbacks to throw more darts and try to beat me. Yeah, that's true too. Yep. So I think that's another strategy. If you can get your hands on those guys, Maybe I'm not as aggressive as selling my QB three away in because I go, oh, I have Kyler and Dak. I'm never going to use this QB three mm-hmm. till this year. If you had Kyler and Dak, you're using that QB three half the fucking weeks. Right, right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. If you can get like that cheap third quarterback for for that, like I think Garoppolo ends up starting somewhere next year. That would be a good one to get. Um, if Geno somehow is still you know valued really lowly in your league or by that owner, I, I'd buy some Geno like. He, he's definitely earned himself another contract to be the starter. You know, I think Jimmy G gonna... and Gino, Jimmy G, Gino, and Daniel Jones are locked to get paid and yeah. be top 20 starting quarterbacks. I think those are locks. I think you're into the range of, I mean, would you be shocked if Andy Dalton gets a job? Yes. He's actually, he's actually been really good. You look at the efficiency numbers the last six weeks, he's been good. Yeah, I'd still be a little shocked at that. I think he's like one of the elite backups, but I mean, it's not out of the question. Like, I mean, could he be in a spot where he's on the Panthers and they draft a quarterback and he starts for yeah. half the year, something like that? Yeah, I could see that. I could see Goff doing that for whoever the Lions take with their if they have a pick to pick a quarterback. I could see Washington doing the same thing. Like, what? Who starts in Washington? Do they bring Wentz back? Do they bring? If Heineke they make the playoffs, back? is Heineke a guy they just sign and start? Yeah, that too. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with a lot of these guys. Like I think, like you said, Carolina. That like they're not going to keep all of those guys. I think they keep Corral just because they drafted him. But after that, Darnold could be gone. Mayfield could be gone. PJ Walker could be gone. Whoever they bring in. As a coach and GM, they could just shit can all those guys, and they're all free agents. So those guys will be out there again. Like, does Baker Mayfield get another shot somewhere? No. Does Sam Darnold get another shot somewhere? Baker Mayfield does not. That that's one I'm confident is a backup. Yeah, I I am too. But I'm just saying, like, it's it's just another name that's out there. And if if somebody believed in him during the draft, oh, I can fix Baker Mayfield. You know, same shit. Kind of like Carson Wentz. We Carson Wentz was shitty in Philadelphia. Oh, Frank Wright comes around. Oh, I can fix him. He'll be great with me. Nope. 
Didn't happen. So if Carson Wentz signed with the Jets, no. would you say he's a favorite to get the job over Zach Wilson? If that was the guy they brought in, they gave him a one-year, $10 million deal. Who would you bet starts? Like if the because the Jets are going to sign a veteran quarterback because they have a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, or they have a co- quarterback on a rookie contract, they are going. They have a lot of cap room. They are going to sign a veteran. If it's yeah, Geno Smith or if it's Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jimmy G, one of those guys, Zach Wilson's fucked. Don't you think? If they go out and yeah. give a guy twenty plus million a year, Wilson's fucked. Yeah, I agree. But what if it's Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, that type. Like they may go that route and only have to pay him ten million or less. But shit, even that guy is a fifty-fifty shot to have be, to be a starter. You know, sometime yeah. during the year. Yep. Yeah, and that's Kyle. Like Pittsburgh this year, same thing. They drafted Pickett and they brought in Trubisky. It was a cheaper deal, but you know Trubisky was supposed to start all year. Gino and Drew Locke, same thing. Yeah, so it kind of just depends on who it is and and whatnot but yeah I, i'd agree that zach wilson is in a lot of trouble like they might just even like if mike white's good here and win some games and they get in the playoffs with mike white as like the seven seed like they might just keep mike white and just start him he's cheap could you see a situation where they dump zach wilson because he's of no he there's a reason they made him inactive because he offers no value as a backup. He's not mature enough to be a backup. It's not like he's going to be over there on the sidelines rooting for Mike White. You know what I mean? Like, he brings no value to the team at this point. Like, could you see a scenario where they're just like, this guy's actually a distraction to the team, so we just are going to sign, like, Jimmy G and just trade Zach Wilson for, like, a fifth? Yeah. You've seen it with Josh Rosen. Same thing. You know? I mean, it's a two-year di- uh, year difference between Rosen and Wilson. What happened to them? But yeah, we've seen it before. I wouldn't shock me. I mean, the Browns kind of did the same thing with Baker. For it was four years in and not two, but it's almost like mm-hmm. the, I think the Browns would have dumped Baker whether they got Watson or not. It was almost like mm-hmm. they were done with him since the off season. Washington did it with Dwayne Haskins. He didn't make it through the, his whole contract. Yep. Same thing too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of those uh, to-be-determined ones. But yeah, the quarterback landscape should be interesting next year, but it's it's just very fascinating how a lot of these teams that are winning by basically a Band-Aid quarterback room, uh, are, are they going to be willing to run that back and think that they can thread the needle and pick the right ones next year? It sounds like Eric is not. Eric's not going to do a startup and fade quarterback. And try to hit on the shitty ones that are that end up outproducing the cost. Like it also depends on like what random draft spot you get. Like if you get the one eleven, you're kind of just fucked either way. Like you're gonna have to. Tr- what am I just gonna trade up for one of them? And if I trade up, I'm probably gonna have to give up my one eleven. So it kind of just depends on where you are too. But last year at the one eleven, you might have taken a receiver and a running back, but then you would have been like, oh, round three, round four. If I can get Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, I'm okay with that. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think what, you know, we've done a couple of those startup mocks. Like you see how far some of the, like the, the has been quarterbacks fall. They're falling to like round six, round seven, round eight. Do you think that changes in the off season? Cause if that's the case, I actually don't mind if, if my draft spot is the one eleven or one twelve, and it forces me into that. And I have to draft, like say I have to start Jalen Waddle, CD lamb, and that's my start. 
okay, I'm not going to take QB 10 Trey Lance in the first round because I'm already getting my ass beat by the team that got Josh Allen and Mahomes. You know what I mean? I'm chasing my tail because I'm building the same type of team as those guys are, but I'm in the unfavorable draft slot. So maybe I go CD Lamb, Jalen Waddle in the first at the one, two turn. But I also know I'm going to have to take quarterbacks at some point. But I also feel like when we get to that dead zone of quarterbacks, everyone's going to pass on them. Whereas in years past, everyone was going, oh, Kirk Cousins, round three, you know, Matt Stafford, round three. I'm going to hammer that. I think this year you can get those guys like, you know, round five, round six. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how that works out in startups. I'm sure me and Scott will be in a startup uh, this offseason. So we can kind of report back on that and kind of talk about it uh, when we're going through that process this year. That'd be a good episode to do. Yeah. Yeah, th- this quarterback landscape is going to be, I think, the most fascinating thing that happens because we're going to be in for a rude awakening on where the values of some of these guys go. Last question for you. So say you have the Jimmy G's, say you have the Geno Smith, say you have those guys at the end of the year. Are you selling them when we get to the offseason and just betting that they're not going to repeat or be in as good a situation as they were. Like, are those guys you would sell high on? It depends on what I can tear up to with them. Like if I'm doing that, I'm doing it to get another quarterback. Like, what would I so you're not selling there? Jimmy G or Geno Smith for the one twelve, So you can draft the wide receiver five. Not if they're my quarterback too. And then I'm fucked and I don't have a, I don't have anybody else. I just have one quarterback. No, but yeah. if I can swap up to Russell Wilson, like you talked about, yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, Okay, so let's say, let's call it the Will Levis line. Let's say he goes in the first round, and he's a late rookie pick, late first-round rookie pick. Mm-hmm. You trading all those mid-tier quarterbacks out for the Will Levis re-roll? Uh, I'm going to reserve that. I wait to see what team it goes to. Okay, so you need to see the situation and yeah. who the coaching staff is and all that stuff? Yeah, like if he went to, like, Arizona, fuck no. I don't want anything to do with them. They're clueless. Okay. Um, yeah, any of those, like, yeah, no thanks. Like, but if it's a a, a decent situation and all that, yeah, I, I'll definitely consider it. Okay. Yeah, I think that'll be one of those where it's like, yeah, someone's going to have to draft Will Levis in the top 10 of your dynasty draft, but they don't want to. They just do because he's a quarterback. Yeah, but at like the same Kenny, time, Kenny Pickett this year, same thing. Yeah, exactly. But then at the same time, they we'll still take that guy over the Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith. You know what I mean? Just cause there's young and there's potential that like, maybe you have a little more flexibility on the market with those guys, but he is going to be like Kenny Pickett. Everyone hated Kenny Pickett. Like no one even really liked him. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, he's there. I have to take yeah. him. But like, it wasn't like there's Kenny Pickett truthers in every league that are just willing yeah. to pay for him. If he, if he starts. I mean, you both like Levis, but we're both smart enough to realize, okay, maybe, He's not like the greatest thing since sliced bread, but well, the, here's the thing. The community doesn't like Levis. Yeah. So it, it, there's going to be four or five people in the league that go, yeah, I would never touch that guy. And but you know there's... what? That guy's not trading for Levis when he takes over the job. He, they're going to, he's going to have to outdo his profile before that person would even be willing to buy in. Like, let's say Kenny Pickett starts the year really, really bad, like he did this year. But then let's say the last three or four games of the year, he looks adequate. Okay. You paying a 23 first for him? Probably not. No, exactly. (laughs) Because you didn't like him to begin with. Well, yeah. 
But okay, so when it comes to 111 this year, we we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show where we were taking the same player over and over. 111 comes, are you just taking Will Levis every single time? I don't know if I could do that. Even as it being quarterback. I think that gets into a whole separate discussion that we'll save for a future show of if I know that the sentiment is nobody likes this guy, there is some risk in drafting him over... I don't give a shit who it is. If I know everyone loves, you know, this guy and everyone hates this guy, maybe the tiebreaker should just literally be the one I know everyone loves. Even if they have lower draft capital, not as good of a landing spot, whatever. The tiebreaker, if you're looking for flexibility on the trade market, the tiebreaker is going to be, if this guy does anything, who can I sell high on? Right. Yep. That's it. It's a, Christian Watson has been better this year than George Pickens, but who did everyone like more? Right. That's the only difference. The only difference in why I would have taken George Pickens over Christian Watson is because I liked him better. But George Pickens was also the guy. If he came out and smashed, everyone would be going like, "Dude, he's a star." Christian Watson, dude, he had five touchdowns in two games, and guess what, Eric? That was a fluke. It was a fluke, Eric. Now you don't. What if George Pickens would add five touchdowns in two games? He'd be going for two fucking firsts. He'd be, yeah, he'd be over Justin Jefferson right now. Well, but he, you, he would be up there ahead of the Chris Godwins, DJ Moore's. You know what I mean? He already is. It's like yeah. that. But you look at him versus Christian Watson, you're like, geez. Yeah. It, it's all, but it's all perception. The only thing keeping their values apart is no one liked Christian Watson. Everyone liked George Pickens. That's it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So. All right, let's get to America's favorite game. This was a good uh, just Eric and Scott hash out Dynasty Thoughts episode. Yeah, I don't even know if we, we talked about a couple things me and you wanted to talk about. Pre- I don't even know if we fucking got to them, to be honest. We kind of like dabbled them in a little bit. Yeah, we did. We did. But that's <laughs> that's what the people like, man. They just like people talking, talking Dynasty strategy. So that's why right. we're here. Right. All right, so I came up with a easier one this week. So I'm going to make it Thanksgiving themed. What is your favorite NFL Thanksgiving memory from all the years you've been watching Thanksgiving games? Wow. NFL Thanksgiving memory. Oh man. I, I'm trying to put myself back in like childhood memories where I'll just say this because there was multiple week, there was multiple years like this. I, I always loved the old Fox graphics with the robots and stuff like that, and then having John Madden and Pat Summerall, oh, especially yeah. if it was Cowboys or 49ers or Packers. And this was all when I was like in my early teens, you know, in the basically in the 90s. Like that's, and I was not nearly as into football then in terms of how I, where I am now, but. I, it, those those were always like, you know, America's game of the week. You know what I mean on Thanksgiving, and yeah, there was just so many memories of those guys and all the, you know, the fun stuff with the turkey legs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just there's a certain feeling that those give you as a kid versus now. Now it's more not that football isn't as fun on Thanksgiving, but it is. It does feel more like business like because we're doing fantasy. You know what I mean? And it's like it. I'm looking at things a little more critically than I did back then. Back then it was just like, yeah, cool football game to watch. Okay. Yeah. I agree with, with all that stuff. I think I have two that come to mind that I really liked. 
Um, first one, I think it was 1998, and that was the Randy Moss rookie season game against Dallas where he scored three touchdowns. Yeah, I think he had like three for 147 and th- three touchdowns, something like that. Um, so that, that was one of my favorite ones. And then another one that I actually just remember, I had to Google it really quick. Do you remember the 1993 Dallas Miami game in the snow in fucking Dallas? Yeah, that was the Leon Lett game, right? Uh, yeah, the Leon Lett game. Uh, Dan Marino didn't even play in it. Steve DeBerg was the uh, Miami quarterback. Touching the was it touching the the blocked field goal in the end zone? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember yep, that. I remember that one. And like, who who would have um, who would have ever thought that? You know, we'd have a snow game in Dallas. You know, that that was crazy. So, um, yeah, those I think those are probably two of my more favorite memories that I can remember. I mean, I remember some other crazy ones, like when Dallas was dog shit there. I think, like, Chad Hutchinson started a game. I think Drew Henson started a game one year. Um, Obviously, the other one from, like, I think it's 95 or 6, the Steelers and Lions OT game with Jerome Bettis calling heads and the guy said it was tails. Remember that I remember one? that. Yep, yep I remember that. that one. Um, I want to say when I was younger, the Browns and Lions played on a Thanksgiving, but I don't remember that game too much. I think it was, like, 92, 93-ish, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, that was an, another memory that I had vaguely. Um even like some of the more recent ones, there hasn't been like too many ones that I could think of uh, off the top of my head that was too crazy. Like, you know, some of those Lions teams were complete dog shit and they would end up giving it a game, you know, and that would be like their only game they would play good all year. Uh, I remember Peyton Manning uh, for the Colts played the Lions one year and absolutely fucking torched them on a Thanksgiving. I think he had like five touchdowns in that game or something like that. So yeah, that was just a couple of my my favorite memories, but definitely the the Randy Moss one was a big one, and then the Dolphins Cowboys uh, snow game in Dallas. Yeah, I remember all of those. They don't come to my mind when I'm thinking about it, but a lot of things blend together too. And I the reason I kind of have blocked out a lot of the recent ones is because for the last seven eight years, from like a portfolio perspective, both high stakes and dynasty, it's been like. Thanksgiving games are fun to watch, but they're also fun to watch just through the lens of fantasy. Right, right. So it's like stressful, you know what I mean? Like I think, I, I think another thing too is I always this third game is kind of throwing me off. Like I just forget about like a lot of the stuff that happens in those third games. Mm-hmm. I want to say another one too, memorable NFL moment. I think the Patriots and and Jets played um played one. I think that was the Mark San- Sanchez butt fumble game. I want to say that was a Thanksgiving game. Yeah, I don't remember if it was, but yeah, that's definitely a famous moment. Yeah, I think that was a butt fumble game um, for that one. But yeah, no, those are just uh, a few of the moments, man. Yep, yep. So. Good, good question. Good question. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Episode number 20 in the books. Uh, 21, we're going to be what, legal drinking age and all that next week. So we'd be good, man. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm uh, at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can also find uh, the podcast at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. Make sure you guys subscribe to Destination Devi um, on your podcast player so you can get this uh, podcast and all the other episodes 
um, from Ike and Gene, from Mike and Adam. Uh, you get Jeff's Sunday injury analysis. You get everything that we post on there every single week right to your podcast player. Make sure you guys go to um, subscribe for our newsletter, allgas.beehive slash subscribe. Uh, B-E-E-H-I-I-V is that uh, spelling for beehive on that one. Uh, we just put out a newsletter this morning, actually. Um, really good stuff on the, in there. 2023 draft talk, uh, stuff to help you for the rest of this regular season. Everybody contributes to it. Everybody does a really good job with it, so make sure you guys subscribe to that. And then um, Monday, we got another new uh, episode of Destination Dynasty coming out, too. So I'll let Scott explain what he's going to talk about this week. I think he's going to finish up his roster construction show, which has been really good. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you guys um, check that out. But, Scott, go ahead and uh, sign us off, man. Yeah, echo everything you said. Uh, check out all the content creators on Destination Devi. Check out the newsletter. Uh, I'll do two more roster construction episodes, a quarterback one, and then I'll kind of do a fifth one that just recaps uh, the four, but also talks. uh, I've got a lot of questions. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to do a fifth episode kind of just getting into the logistics. A lot of people have said, I understand what you're saying, but how do I get there? What are some strategies I can implement to help me get there? Because it's easy just to say, oh, Eric, you're not within roster construction. Dump everybody that's not fitting the parameters of what you want. Uh, But there is some strategy. A lot of what we talk about on this show, trade ideas and what we talked about for the bulk of today in terms of buying any running backs, like there is a way to get there, but also using uh, like a methodical approach. There are like trade strategies and stuff to help you get there. So I'm going to do a full show just with like kind of tips and tricks to help get into roster construction and do it within your market. You know, where can you take advantage of how other people are thinking? So that's what the next two episodes are going to be. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Uh, again, check out everybody at Destination Debbie and uh, episode 20 of America's Game is in the books. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.